0: Back to Ephesians five. Uh, Thanksgiving is by far my my favorite time of the year. There's just so many um, great memories and just so so much that's impacted in this 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 arching realm of Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm thankful and grateful that that I live in America. Uh, as rough as it may seem, as uh, crazy as it might be getting it's it 's still the best and still the best place to be, and we still have this great opportunity to worship the lord um, and that 's what I mean by the best I, I I mean from a spiritual standpoint of being able to um, to have freedom and that freedom not only uh, is enterprise but more importantly that freedom 's religion and and so we have to make sure that we um, take advantage of that. Uh, freedom did not come free. Uh, the, the story and the history of liberty is, is a beautiful and amazing one, especially in America. Uh, the story of thanksgiving is a, a, a beautiful reminder. Uh, we've been through this before with the pilgrims. The, the pilgrims were uh, devout christians uh, we we have a difference between our our forefathers and you know the the forefathers of, of the political realm of America and, and there's a lot of different uh, blends and of christianity or judeo christian values um, but make no mistake the the pilgrims were as devout as it gets they were they're not only just serious minded and courageous uh, they were they were humble they were humble, but not weak. I think that's something that we struggle with these days is we think that that being humble means that we we have to be cowards or we have to be soft and pilgrims were were not weak they were they were not soft um, they were brave they they were strong they they risked their lives many many times uh, in order to faithfully pursue and follow their Lord and their master. When they came to America, they were seeking uh, to, to live uh, a, a biblical, godly Christian life. That, that was their goal. Their goal was not to become wealthy. Their goal was not to become, you know, landowners. Their goal was to just be able to worship in peace and to do that in a fallen world. Uh, and they were no strangers to this. They were no strangers. They originated in, in England and they were, you know, growing in their church. And like us, they would just see that, you know what, fewer and fewer people were actually being added um, to the genuine Christian church. In England, part of that had to do with uh, the, the government itself had intertwined religion and government through the Anglican church. So it was very confusing uh, to people exactly wh- you know, what are they? Are they Catholic? Are they Protestant? Are they secular? Well, they, they were all of it, which is not authentic Christianity, which is the thing that we need to be careful of, this idea of unity. When you n- unite everything together and you, it, it just becomes polytheistic and you believe in everything, y- you believe in nothing. Well, the pilgrims knew better. They were constantly surrounded by their political enemies, their spiritual enemies. They were being imprisoned. They were being tortured. They were being financially sanctioned. Um, It it was was a tough time. All the things that we fear and worry, they lived. Uh, They they were living through that. And so they, you know what? They, They got up and they moved as a church. Think about that for a second an incredible thing and 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 we have the benefit of, of reading their their journals we know firsthand what they thought what they think and what they did so so we're not guessing here we're not reading you know revisionist history we're, we're actually reading uh, from from their their journals exactly what their mindset was when they left England when they went to Holland when they left Holland and then went back to England and then again what came to America one of the things that just gripped them was that their children were being corrupted by society. Does that sound familiar? That society was, was all around them and, and surrounding them and the temptation, the evil and the wickedness of, of government and city and culture was having a, a, a dramatic effect on their kids. And so again, something had to be done. They also had a great desire to propagate the gospel. It's something that we don't hear much about the pilgrims, but one of the things they did in Holland was they actually, you know, got printing presses and were like printing out little pamphlets and printing out little, like you know, workbooks and and things like that, trying to spread the gospel. They were not isolationists. They, they were not just like this this little cultic group that was like, well, we're just going to do our thing together, and they would just kind of move around. No, they, they, they were gospel-minded. And that was part of their vision in going to America, too, was this new place that could uh, start outside of the Anglican church. Uh, I, I'm, in, I'm in awe of them. I love reading every year about them, and every year I, I learn more and more uh, just about their story. Make no mistake, they physically died coming here. Couldn't imagine, couldn't imagine praying and talking and planning with my wife and and having the the plan that we're going to get in a boat with our family, that we're going to go across the ocean. And, and, And the statistics and the numbers say, almost guaranteed, that somebody in my family of seven is going to die, probably two because every ship that sailed across the Atlantic was a dangerous venture. And if it wasn't the sickness or the, or the, the, you know, the, the ship having a problem or getting there and hitting a winner, the chances of survival, I mean, the people died. They knew that. Could you imagine? Would you get on that boat? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the courage to do that out of fear of, of, of one of my, my, my children, but they did have courage. And again, that gets lost. They had spiritual courage. You don't know most of their names because they weren't there to make a name for themselves. That was not their point. Um, and so today we want to be reminded, reminded by the pilgrims. We want to be reminded in a, in a thankful way, in, in four different ways. But here's what we want to be reminded of. We want to be reminded of their wisdom, their wisdom. Because we don't want to make too big of a point of their courage while they were courageous, but they were wise. They they had real wisdom. Well, what is that wisdom? Well, We want to take a look at that. And today we see four reminders in Ephesians, uh, chapter, chapter five, the four reminders are wise walking, careful considerations, making the most of your time and then forget foolishness. So let's take a look at those four things. Back to Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 15. Uh, As we've been studying Ephesians and studying chapter 5, back to verse 15, it says, Therefore, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Be careful. Now remember, when you see therefore, you have to always ask yourself, well, It's a transition. It's a building off of something that was was ahead of it, right? And so, okay, well, what's ahead of it? Verse 3, chapter 5, But do not let immorality or impurity or greed even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Then there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. How's that for a warning? Therefore, do not be partakers with them, Do not join them, do not partner with them, don't be unequally yoked with them, don't play with them, don't hang out with them. Verse eight, for you were formerly, you you used to be, remember we talked about this? You were literally darkness, not in darkness, you were darkness, you were sinful, you were ungodly, you were, past tense, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to learn. We're in a learning process. It's okay to learn, keep learning, keep growing. Verse 11, and do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them don't hide in sin. Don't rush to sin. Instead, you know, expose sin. Don't be a part of it for it's disgraceful even to think of the things which are done by them in secret. Why are things done in secret? Cause they know they're wrong, right? Little kids know they're wrong. That's why they do it in the dark. That's why they do it at night. That's why they do it when nobody's looking. Even little kids understand this. Verse 13, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light for everything that becomes visible light. For this reason, it says awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine upon you. We were dead in our sins. You know what? We were. So arise, live, be born again. And now the transition. Therefore, with, with understanding this, with having this knowledge, therefore now be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. If you want to be wise, our, our, our first Thanksgiving reminder is you need to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. This wisdom comes with our new birth experience, our, our our foolish hearts, our deceitful hearts, our wicked hearts, our ungodly hearts drove us to to sin and and foolishness. As new creatures in Christ, as New Testament, New Covenant believers, we now are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have a new mindset. We're totally new, totally new. We have this blessing. Of the Holy Spirit who helps us to be wise. It's amazing how many people you know, I've talked to and stuff. And it's like for years, it's, they didn't get it. They couldn't see it. And then they become believers. And it's like, it's so obvious now. It's so obvious. That, that, that's the power. We were just seeing the power of Christ. That's the power of the Holy Spirit and that He gives you now wisdom. Why do fools do foolish things? because they're fools. If they weren't fools, they wouldn't do foolish things, but because they're fools, they do foolish things. That's what makes them fools, right? I mean, it sounds circular, but it is what it is. Well, it's the same thing with wisdom. We have the wisdom. Well, 2 Timothy 3.15 says it this way. From childhood, childhood, uh, you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ. So, as new believers, we now have this wisdom that helps lead us to salvation through faith. Well, where do we get some of this wisdom? The sacred writings. What are the sacred writings? Verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, and training in righteousness. So the wisdom isn't from men. The wisdom is from the Lord God Almighty Himself. And the Lord God Almighty Himself has put it in written scriptures in sacred writings. That's why we, we uphold the Word of God with, with, with such honor and reverence because this is God's Word, not made by man made by God and it's inspired by God. It's God breathed. And so it's profitable for teaching for our learning. It's profitable for reproof so that we can make adjustments, repent and and help each other. It's profitable to correct us when we're wrong, put us back on the right path. It's profitable to train us in righteousness. What is righteousness? I don't know. With, without the scriptures, I don't know what right and wrong is. I really don't. And we're seeing that played out in today's society and in a postmodern view that says, well, you define what righteousness is as Sir Livingston learned in Africa. Well, one African tribe says, love thy neighbor. The other one says, eat thy neighbor. Who's right. Um, so the sacred writings give us wisdom. The the Bible has always revealed, and we talked about this a little bit last week, has always revealed depths of science and history and sociology and philosophy in ways that mankind never knew. And so while those disciplines completely reject the scripture in the Bible, the Bible actually reinforces those things. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, By grace we've been saved in wisdom. So part of the grace isn't just that we've been freed from our sins, but part of God's grace is, is opening our minds in wisdom. In wisdom. It's a gracious thing. It's a gift that God gives us to help us to walk wise. How? Colossians 2.3 says, The treasure of wisdom is hidden In him, the wisdom is a treasure. We've probably all, all met people or hung out with people who were, um, I'll I'll say it in, in a nice way. Just, just silly, foolish. They just do dumb things constantly. They can't help it. And everybody knows that guy, right? Oh yeah. That's him. He's the one that always gets us in trouble. Um. Well, there, there's no, there's no wisdom, there's no discernment. Well, there, wisdom is is a treasure. It, it it's a blessing to be wise. It, it, it hurts you in life, to be a fool. Um, it's not a good thing. First John two twenty reveals to us that. That this wisdom is, is known by the Holy Spirit. Truth. Truth is wisdom. Wisdom is truth. Real truth is real wisdom, right? And so it's revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. We're not geniuses. Um, but we are in light of having the scripture. And having the scripture, I know a lot more than the so-called PhDs out there that are supposed to be the brain trust of the world that come out of the Ivy League schools, right? They can get a better SAT score than me, um, but they don't know the difference between a man and a woman. How silly is that? And that's just, a again, the extreme example of what's happening today. Ephesians. The book of Ephesians reveals genuine wisdom. Remember in Ephesians one eight, the, the Scripture tells us that, that he... he we're lavished in wisdom. We how? How so? The, the mystery is made known. right? So there's a great mystery in the world, and God lavishes us in this wisdom. We're allowed, we know the mystery. Christ, death, burial, resurrection. and all the world, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. All the world is saved through Christ Jesus alone. The great mystery revealed. The mystery was made known. And so again, in Ephesians one seventeen, the Father of glory gives us the spirit of wisdom in the knowledge of Him. There used to be a great, probably the best athlete in the history of the world, you know, he's an all-star in football, an all-star in baseball, Bo Jackson. They have this great commercial, Bo Knows, right? And they would show Bo Jackson, and, you know, in the commercial, he also knows how to play tennis and hockey and, you know, any sport unmanageable, Bo Knows. You know what? The Father knows. God knows. And, and because of him, we know. We know things we're revealed to things and have, understand when we see the political scene, when we see what's going on in the streets, when we see what's going on, we understand the motive and the mindset and the purpose that's behind it, behind that they're following their father. They are serving their master, the evil one who loves death, who loves sexual immorality, who, who loves, division and divisiveness. And so when you see the fruit of that, you know who the Father is. So the pilgrims knew this. They, they knew this. And because they were in God's Word and in prayer and were filled by the power of the Holy Spirit, they put all, all their confidence in, in the wisdom of the Lord. And they followed Him. They trusted God. They, they had the silly idea that, Why, you know, if if we follow Scripture and follow Him, He'll bless us. And so courageously, we will get on that ship. He'll take care of us. Courageously, they will move to that new town and start all over again, again, and again, and again. Because they're following their Master and their Master goes with them wherever they go. Their devotion to God made them wise. Their go their devotion to God gave them the the, the clear vision and insight. Well, the second Thanksgiving reminder we see is this careful consideration. Back to Ephesians 5. Therefore, be careful. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise, walk wise, but as wise, so what's the first thing we see? Careful consideration. Be careful be careful. Words are powerful and the, in the Greek, they, they usually have these words that are, are pregnant with, with other meanings. And, and that's the case here in this word careful. When you think of careful, you have to think in terms of accurate and exact, right? Accurate and exact. I think sometimes when, when we think of careful, we just think of like, don't fall, right? Kind of just, but no, but it's, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's take an accurate examination. Investigate something. Be, be thorough in your, in, in your investigation. That, that's the idea behind science, right? Real science is it's careful. It's meticulous. It tests it over and over and over again. I think of Edison 10,000 times, right? 10,000 times. When do you give up? Me? Science? Second time? First time? 10,000? Can you imagine? Well, that was the meticulous, he was careful in his his investigation. He he took great care in finding finding something new. He didn't just jump to conclusions. He didn't just hear something and then, okay, that's today, right? Today you hear something, you know, on the news or on a, on a social media thing. And in two seconds later, you know, okay, I believe in that. No investigation. No, no thought into how that's going to work. You know, America, Statue of Liberty, come, come to America. Okay. okay. Two million at one time. Does that work? (laughs) Got to think through things. It also has this idea. There's kind of two ideas here with this accurate and exact investigation, but the second thing is is care. When you think of a caregiver, right, or a caretaker, r- right away you have a, a different idea of the word care. It's safekeeping. It's it's safekeeping and protection. It's the idea there. When you look at this together, the the, the word careful is is this investigation and also safekeeping, protection to to be on alert be on alert. Heads up. Turn with me to Ephesians 6. Ephesians, it's so layered within itself. It's, it's so beautiful. So here we are in Ephesians 5, and it says, you need to walk wise, so be careful how you walk. Okay, well, Ephesians 6 gives us a a, a deeper insight into that. 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord. Walk wise, be careful, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Okay, so it's His might, His power. How? Put on the full armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We are wise because we understand this. We're not walking around the earth just thinking it's just us. There's a war going on. There's a battlefield going on. Having that understanding is a, is a powerful piece of information. Verse 13, Therefore, since you know this, take up your full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. Uh, In addition to all taking up the shield of faith in which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. We have the power. We have the armor. We have the strength. Stand firm. You can make it. You have the information. You can make it. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, our offensive weapon, is God's Word. Verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert. So we're careful, but we're not cowards, right? We're, we're humble, but, but we have the power. We're on alert, but not, we're, we're not scared. We're, we're an alert with, with power here. And so it says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. It's, it's, it's a carefulness with power. And we'll get to Ephesians 6, but, but that gives us a clearer picture of, of, of what that looks like. Yes, there is a, a spiritual minefield. Yes, the pilgrims were surrounded by enemies in ways we could only imagine, but you know what? They still lived. They lived in the world. They were active in the world. They started their businesses all over again in Holland. They uprooted and went to America and started all over again. They were not just cowardly weaklings. They lived. We have to live in this world. We don't get to just buy 20 acres in the corner of Selleck and, and hide. That, that, that's not the biblical mandate. We're on alert. We're careful, but, but we have to walk in this world. Proverbs 2 says, not don't walk in the way of the wicked. We don't walk like them. We don't, we, we don't walk in their path. Psalm one don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. They're all around us. The way is around us, but we don't walk like them, do we? Or do we? Or are we not careful? Um, do we go into the battlefield without our armor? No, no soldier in battle would, would even consider walking into the, to the battlefield without his armor. Y- yeah, he wants his weapon. he wants his protection as well he 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 takes both what why 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 are we putting ourselves in positions where we're not careful that's not wise that's unwise walking be wise how be on alert be careful in a powerful way look again we, we we have to live we have to live in conversations are all around us uh So look, we have to obey. We have to obey God's word, not disobey God's word, not ignore God's word. We have to follow God's path, stay on His course, even though we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Satan's traps are all over us, right? All around us, the spiritual forces are all over the place. It's one of the amazing things when you see the life of Christ. Every town he goes into usually has a couple things. One, Jesus serves people. He's full of mercy mission. He sees needs, physical needs, food, crippling, blindness, and he heals people. He helps people. You know what else he deals with? Demons. I guess they all just went away. When Jesus left the earth, so did the demons. Uh, Think again. Uh, they're here. They're active. The the spiritual battle that's taking place all around us. Um, be careful. The the traps are set. It doesn't even have to be a demon. It's just the traps. The way of the world is, is wicked. And so we're called to re, to be wise, and not like Titus three three says we were foolish, past tense. That's the way we used to be. Remember in Ephesians 5, I read it earlier. We, we, we used to be, we were darkness. It, it, it's, it's, it's time to change. It's time to be different. And again, the pilgrims displayed amazing wisdom by being careful in the godless world. You know what? In their wisdom, this is too much. It's affecting our kids. We're moving. You know what? This isn't working. We're going to adjust. They, they didn't just stay there and just take it, right? They, they, they could shift and move. So again, the Spirit will give us wisdom. We have to be careful and cautious, but yet still be separate from this world. Well, a third Thanksgiving reminder. So we're called to make the most of our time. Verse 16. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Why? Because the days are evil. Did you hear that? The days are evil. They're not good. Oh, they're not that bad. No, they're not. They're evil. Well, I mean, maybe Rainier Beach is evil, but I live in Maple Valley. It's pretty in Maple Valley. It's evil. It's just a whole different type of evil, a whole different level of evil. Uh, My brother teaches in the, was in the Kent School District, and, you know, now now he has the, the, the great blessing of being in the magic kingdom of the Tahoma School District, where everybody, you know rides unicorns and has sugar plums to home is a mess. It's an absolute mess. It's a pretty mess. It's an affluent mess. Um, but it's a mess. And so we need to learn how to make the most of, of your time. Again, the, the, the Greek gives us some insight here with this word Chronos, which isn't the idea of like make the most of your 30 seconds of your 10 minutes of your one hour. It's not, it's, it's chrono- chronological, right? Chronos, chrono- chronological. It's the idea of this expanse or this season of time, this epic of time, this, this time span. So we're to make the most of, yeah, that may include minute, second hour, but make the most of your, your time on earth. Time is short. Time is short. Some of you are, you know, down the road a little bit further than others. Boy, did it go fast or what? I, I'm, you know, I'm getting up there now too. And it's like, wow, 30 years can go so fast. It's, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And so we're to make the most of it. Again, we see it in Exodus 9.5 that, that hey, God sets time. God sets this time frame up, okay? We saw this in Genesis 15, 13, where to God, he's looking at this and he's talking to Abraham. He's like, all right, the Israelites are going to be enslaved for 400 years. It's just a time block that God has set, that God is in control of sovereignly, an epoch of time. We, we see this in Daniel, right? Prophetically in Daniel's 70 weeks. A, an epoch of time. A time frame in Daniel chapter 9. 1 Peter 1.17 Look, we, we have a specific time set on earth. Do you know your time? No, you don't. Could be today. Um, your response should be not, Oh no, not today. It should be, Come Lord, come quickly, right? Be ready and be able to stand before the Lord, your God, your maker, and and hear those, the the most precious words, the the goal, the purpose of your life that you want to pursue, which is hearing from your God, your savior, your master, well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, how sweet that will be. That's our goal. And, And that could have been a 30 year thing, an 80 year thing, a three year thing. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked and amazed when I look at time in the Bible, John the Baptist, the greatest man to Jesus says, right? Ministry three and a half years, three years, what three years, nothing happens in three years. Yeah. John the Baptist got a lot done in three years. Jesus got a lot done in three and a half years. And all of a sudden you look at the Bible and you go, wow, Time is, hmm, it's precious, it's special. Make the most of that time. As the story goes, you, you think of someone like, like, like um, Billy Graham. It's like, oh, all these people got saved. Well, somebody witnessed to Billy Graham. And somebody witnessed to the guy that witnessed to Billy Graham. And somebody witnessed to the guy who witnessed to Billy Graham. And you see this succession of people. It's like, wow. So in this one epoch of time, this, this one guy witnesses to somebody and millions of people are saved because of a five minute conversation 70 years ago. It's unbelievable. That's how time works. We're reminded, look, make, make the most of this time. Yes. You have to be careful, but look, you have the power. You have the power to, to stand firm, to walk wise. So, Let's get on it. Let's let's make the most of this. Um, the most of has this idea in the Greek, exagorazo. Exagorazo. Does that sound familiar? Exager, exag, exaggerate. Exaggerate. Make the most of. Exa- exaggerate your time. Well, what does it mean here? Well, it has the idea of buying back. It's a buyout. So making the most of is a buyout. And they used to use it in terms of of slavery. They would buy slaves to set them free. The buyout of somebody to then just set them free. Compacted in that is the idea of it has the redemptive element. It's, it's where they get the, the idea of redemption. You ever want, why do we use these terms? Redemption. Because our souls were bought back. We, we, we're the slave. We, our souls are bought back. Why? To be set free. And so there's a redemptive element then with our time. We're to redeem our time to devote it back to the Lord. We've been purchased as slaves to be given back to the Lord. Turn with me to Romans 6. Romans 6 is, is just such a, a, a powerful passage. Romans 6.15. What then shall we say because we're not under the law, but under grace? May it never be. There was an argument. Look, should, should we just... The more I sin, the greater my testimony, right? Oh, my past life was so bad. I did so many bad things. And and Jesus died and paid the price for my sin. And now I'm a new creature in Christ. And so here's my story and here's my testimony. And man, I mean, the more sin that there is, the greater God looks, right? Maybe I should sin more. No, no. Verse 15, may it never be. Sin, shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Can you sin and be forgiven? Yes, by grace we're saved. So somehow in the gorilla math, maybe I should sin more. Maybe it's okay to sin. Maybe the more I sin, the better God looks. No, no, no. Verse 16, don't you know that when you present yourselves to someone, slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one who you obey, either of sin, which will result in death, or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you were, you were, you were, past tense, you now became obedient not from the law, but from the heart, to that form of teaching to which you were committed. Verse 18, and having been freed from sin. Now that you're freed from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. What a picture. What an amazing picture. That that we, we need to make the most of our time We need to redeem our time. We need to give our time back. Now that we have been redeemed and bought back and set free, what are we to do with that? Be slaves of righteous, wise living. That's our commission. That's our commission. It comes before the warning of the days are evil. So, so it's, it's not just a statement. It's, look, days are evil. Days are evil. Be careful. Be on guard. Be on alert. But look, you are now a soldier, a slave for Christ. So be a slave of obedience. What does a slave do? His master's bidding. Not his own. His master's bidding. Our master wants us to live wisely, carefully making the most of our time. Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny that 2000 years ago, most of my time, what do you think I'm doing with my time? I mean, it's a different time. 2000 years ago, it's cold outside. Go chop a tree down with not, not, you know, not a steel chainsaw, right? Uh, go chop a tree down, chop it in the rounds, burn the fire. And you know what the worst part about, you know, chopping your own firewood is? You burn it, you get the heat from it, and tomorrow it's gone. You got to go do it again, right? Oh, by the way, you know, you, you're a little hungry too. Well, go, go hunt. Go, get, go find the meat. Go plant something. Watch it grow. This stuff didn't just happen by accident. So what did they do during the day? They worked hard from sun up to sun down, right? The farmer's life. And here we are. They're warned in scripture, make the most of your time. The days are evil. Like they had all this free time. Guess who has tons of free time. We live in a culture, in a society that we have so much free time. We don't know what to do with it. And what does everybody want more free time? It's insane. And what do they do with that free time? It's not good. Um, Think about the things that are happening. We we live in an evil age. Galatians 1.4 says that. We live in an evil age where, where time has created, time has created a major problem. Our kids have nothing to do except play video games all day. What do you mean you have nothing to do that? You can play hours upon hours of video games. Um, we, we just had a, a, a major transaction in the business community. Twitter was bought out right by a billionaire. You know what in his investigation and looking at the company one of the biggest problems in the company is the people don't work. They're not working. Now check this out. So he's, the new new leader in town, we got a, a new vision, a new purpose statement, we're a new brand, a new, you know, th- th- this is what we're gonna do. So I want us to reaffirm who we are and what we're doing. We're gonna start off by this. Everybody's gonna recommit themselves to doing this crazy thing. We're gonna work. And if you don't wanna work, then don't come back. And more than half, or the employees. So I don't want to come. I don't want to work. That's unfair. And the free lunches that you were giving us that, by the way, we work from home. We're not even there. You're taking them away. And it costs them because there's a lot of people, a couple million, you know, $13 million. And he's like, we're not doing that more. That's not fair. It's a society in a culture that is raised to play, to do nothing, to not work and in the in the vacuum of that non work is evil and wickedness what what is what, you know this this silly device called a phone that now is a gateway to what all this amazing, awesome, wonderful things? no to all the wickedness that you can possibly imagine this uh, watch myself here the Communists in China understand this. They regulate their kids to 45 minutes a day because they get it. That it's not good. And what do we do? We can't put a phone in our kids' hands soon enough. Why? So that their faces can be in the phone all day long, where they could be sitting right across from you and their faces in the phone. Can't get enough of it. Just a practical illustration of how we don't make the most of our time think about the couple you know the summer of love right what are these people doing I mean you know it's like who's got time to peacefully protest you know who, who's got the time to go March on the Capitol to go do this stuff I mean don't you have jobs don't you have things to do what are they doing with this free time I guess with a couple free hours, then I can loot Target, um, start a fire in in the city. It's it's free time, not not being wise with the free time, not making the most of their free time. And it's not new. You can go into the jungles today in in Indonesia, the Taliabu tribe. You know, thirty years ago, they went on these islands, and and the biggest issue they had was in their free time. And I'm talking about like. You know, natives and loincloths, you know, island living where their garden is, is essential for living. When they had free time, they would do bad things in the garden. That's when, when gossip and adultery and coveting and stealing and the plotting of evil happened in the free time. Well, the pilgrims didn't live that way. They were very ambitious. They, they were hard workers. They were business owners. They were farmers. Um, they were entrepreneurs, right? They had that entrepreneurial spirit. Turn with me to First Thessalonians. Um, this is just a, a, a passage that's really changed my life. It's changed the vision of my life. And again, understanding it's th- the wisdom now that comes with God's word. First Thessalonians 4.1. This is what you do with your time. First Thessalonians 4.11. Now, remember, First Thessalonians is a church under persecution. It's a church that is suffering. It's a church that, that is having a very difficult time. And in light of that, this is what they're called to do. Verse 11, to make it their ambition. You want to be ambitious? Make this your ambition. To lead a quiet life. A quiet life. Not the rioter's life, not the protester's life, not the social justice warrior life, not the Instagram social media influencer life, right? Lead a quiet life. Shh. Just quiet. And attend to your own business. Uh, That means keep your beak out of your neighbor's business. Mind your own business. You know that phrase, right? Mind your own business. Do you not have enough problems under your own household? Do you not have enough problems under your own hat? Mind your own business. Deal with that and then you can fix the world. Lead a quiet life. Attend your own business. Oh, and look at this one. And work with your hands. Now that's an interesting phrase. Not just work. Work with your hands. Work hard. This is the blue collar stuff, right? It's an interesting thing what happens when you work with your hands. It takes time. Like nothing's fast but it's good. It's not microwave. You know what happens? Super duper fast. That's amazing. You know, those, you know, really nice restaurants that we, you go to and pay like four times as much as, as the food is worth that they microwave the dinner, right? You've heard of those. No, that's not good food. Fast fastest food, right? It has a whole nother term of fast food, microwavable food that is so fast. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to, you know, it's not labor-inducive. That's not good. Why do you think anything else that way is good? It takes time to do things. It takes time to turn over the dirt or the earth and make it something better, to build something. It's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. And you know what? When you're doing it, you don't have time to do other stuff. What stuff? Bad stuff, evil stuff wicked stuff. It's at your fingertips. The pilgrims had great ambition. They work hard and you know what? They changed the world. The whole American dream, the whole uh, discovery, the whole thing was propagated by the pilgrims doing what? Minding their own business, working with their hands, being quiet, And boy, did that make a noise. Well, the final Thanksgiving reminder that we see here is we make the most of our time while the days are evil. So then, as another reminder, do not be foolish. Understand the will of the Lord. So we need to understand the will of the Lord. What's the will of the Lord? A direct exhortation. Here's the will of the Lord. You guys ready? Don't be a fool. not that complicated. The will of the Lord. Don't be foolish. Well, I don't want to do foolish things. I don't want to be a fool. How, 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 how do I do that? Walk wise. Okay. You're just stating phrases. God's word. Get into God's word, right? We're reading this in Proverbs. It'll tell you how do we walk wise by following God's word, trust and obey. There's no other way, right? How do I be wise? How do I walk and make the most of their time? Work with your hands, right? These are the, are, are the ways that we do this. And it begins with this idea. Stop being a fool. Remember, we, we studied this last week. What's the idea of a fool? Empty-headed stupidity. Living without sense. When you disregard God's way, then you're living like a fool. Again, it's no accident that we see in verse 17, "Don't be foolish, understand the will of the Lord. Do you know what's coming lay in the second half of this passage? The biblical outline for marriage. Do you think that's an accident? that the most unfoolish thing That you can do is to be engaged in a biblical marriage. Huh. Well, that's going to be fun when we get into that. But you want to be wise, you want to be smart. The world's telling you the opposite. The world's telling you you don't need to get married. The world's telling you there's no value in marriage. The world is telling you that in this old patriarchy of the of the Bible, that the, the man and the woman and the, and the woman's role and headship that none of that is of value. And, and oh, really? That's not what God says. That's wisdom. That's a blessing. So forget the foolishness, and that's just. An example there that we know is coming. We'll get to that. Well, remember last week we understood what the types of foolishness were? Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Look, we're born with it. We're born with foolishness, so we have to drive it out. We have to drive it out with the rod of reproof. The rod of correction. The Lord says in Hebrews that he disciplines those he loves. Parents who love their church, their children will drive the foolishness out of their children. That's love. That's true love. Guess what? You don't get to go there. No, you can't do that. No, you can't go. There's a consequence for disobedience. Why? Because I love you and I'm smarter than you and I have to protect you from you because you're a fool. Not to be mean and harsh. You're just born that way. And we have to train it and drive it out of you. And we live in a world that's surrounded by fools. Remember last week, the worldly wisdom, 1 Corinthians 1.18, the worldly wisdom of their science, their psychology, and their philosophy. Those are traps. Those are bear traps. So we've got to get out of that foolishness. Remember Psalm 14.1? In our hearts, our hearts are foolish. Our hearts get to the point where we're so foolish in Romans 1 that it will drive us to say that there is no God. Even though we all start off knowing there is a God. We know it. Romans 1 confirms that. What does that look like? Proverbs twelve fifteen. We start doing what's right in our own eyes. Back to Love thy neighbor versus eat thy neighbor sounds ridiculous and crazy. Um, That's old news. That's not new. That's not what if, that is how people have already lived the new postmodern culture of doing right in your own eyes. I can do whatever I want to do. If it makes me happy, if it feels good, why not mind your own business? Don't judge me, right? That's what we live under. Well, you can't do what's just right in your own eyes. First of all, you have no basis for what is right and wrong. And so it's utter foolishness. So we're to reject foolishness. And the whole meta narrative of the book of Ephesians is Ephesians 4 1. Be wise, how? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. How's that? Well, walk humbly. Walk. Verses 4 through 16 in Ephesians 4. Walk in the unity of the Spirit of God, right? Not like the Gentiles. And we're given a laundry list of how the Gentiles live. The world seems to think that being immoral and impure and greedy and filthy and silly talk and coarse jesting and not giving giving thanks and being covetous, the world thinks that's okay. It's praised and exalted and it leaves people empty and sad and depressed think about this all the people right now who are running around the streets doing whatever they want why aren't they happy why, why, why does do it turn the volume off and, and look at their faces do they look happy do they look full of peace and joy so it's not working instead Ephesians 5 1 through 7 we're to walk in love Ephesians 5, 8 through 14, walk in the light, walk in the wisdom. This is how we are to then not walk in the path of foolishness, but walk in the path of life. The pilgrims did an amazing job of just forgetting the foolish nonsense of the world. And we can't seem to get enough of it. And I'm talking about the church. That the strategy of the church growth and movement and sustainability is what's the world doing to draw people how do they do it let's copy their their antics let's do their style so let's make music as close to the world as we can because the non-believers will dig it is that the goal let's make the, the service you know people like to laugh so let's make this a comedy hour it's like you know Friday night at the improv on Sunday mornings yeah it's fun it's more laughs um, that's not the point and so in the church we're accepting foolish immature ways we took we, we took the model of youth group And now all those kids in youth group that would just go to Sunday school and play and goof around and do it again on Wednesday nights, guess what? They grew up and they want the same thing in big church now. And if you don't give it to them, then they don't want it. They don't want to study God's word. They don't want to be told that they're sinners. They don't want to be told that they need to be careful and walk as wise people and make the most of of their day and not be evil. They don't want to be told that, that in unrepentant sin, like the scriptures say, unrepentant sin leads to eternal darkness. That's love. I love you so much. I will not let you keep doing this activity. That's going to kill you. That's what a loving parent does. That's what the father of the universe is saying to us and the pilgrims completely understood that. And so they rejected their community. They rejected it. We need to reject it. That's not our community. That's not our family. We just happen to live here. Just happens to be our address. And so, our final Thanksgiving reminder is we need to forget this foolishness. Stop valuing the things that that people value the cell phone. They value all the toys and the gimmicks and all, all the things that come with it. Is it possible to even throw it away and get rid of it? Is that absurd? Well, there's... Someone who warned us a long time ago um, that if our eye was causing us to sin, that it might be better if you pluck it out. Does that ring any bells? I think it'd be easier to throw something away or stop watching XYZ or doing ABC. Um, It's something to think about and strongly consider if you want to forget foolishness. So I just want to encourage you with our Thanksgiving reminder. What a great week to be able to celebrate, to be thankful that the Lord God almighty is good, but that we need to walk wise. We need to carefully consider the things that we do. We need to make the most of our time and we need to forget Foolishness. Let's pray.